Welcome to the Way Community Podcast. Here you'll find various teachings and messages from within our community and also from guest speakers. If you're interested in finding out more about us, visit our website, the-way.com.au. We pray that this episode edifies you. Amen. All right, so uh, just before we get into uh, tonight's session, I'm going to do an uber rapid review uh, just to, to go over what we've covered so far. So uh, we've talked about the resurrections and how there are many resurrections throughout Scripture and how Jesus was actually the first real resurrection. But that's not where it stopped. We looked at how in Matthew there was the patriarchal believers who were raised at Jesus' uh, death and resurrection and apparently went into the city sharing the gospel. Can you imagine the shock and awe of the city as all these dead people just, Grandpa, what are you doing here? Uh, yeah, um, amazing. First uh, Thessalonians 4, uh, which should become a favorite scripture for everyone. The dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. In Revelation, we have the two witnesses. Lots of postulations about who they might be. Um, most likely uh, the front runners are Moses and Elijah. But not necessarily. Um, and uh, yeah, they get killed. And to the shock and horror of everybody in the world who had their smartphones out at the time. See, this is the thing, right? The Bible is talking about this, saying that all the world watches this event and then celebrates by <laughs> Amazon world sending each other gifts. Right? All, all over the world, everyone's sending each other gifts for three days. And then, in the only time in history that what we read in that scripture could have ever taken place is the time that we're living in now. It's crazy. And in fact, it, it, it only really, you can go back just 30 years, and even 30 years ago, that scripture didn't make sense. And now you go, yeah, I could see how that could happen. I, I just, that, that's what you've got to understand, people. We are living in the day, in the moment, in the final, the, the final gasping moments of history as we have known it. That's the time that we're in. All the stuff we're talking about is going to happen at any moment. Um, the tribulation martyrs, uh, and as I've got there, note the qualifications for those who rise. And we're told that it is the first resurrection of the judgment or end of days that that scripture in Revelation 20 talks about. And then there's the great white throne judgment where everybody else in all of history who wasn't righteous rises to meet their doom. Terrible. We looked at the rapture. We looked at a few 
a, a few, you know, because there's so little in the Bible on the rapture, right? <laughs> and we looked at a few solitary little references to the rapture. And uh, there you go. That's what we learned about the rapture last week. And uh, a whole bunch of information out of the scriptures which tells us about the reality of what the rapture is, what takes place, and a bunch of scriptures for them. And yes, I will be getting a copy of it out to you all so that you will have it for yourself. And with it, we will send the definition that uh, we, we gave for this. And I'll, for the sake of the recording, I'll read it out. The rapture appears in over 29 scriptures throughout the New Testament. It describes an event that is not to be feared, but eagerly expected by the believer with great joy and gladness. And we are encouraged to place our hope in. These scriptures tell us that this event could happen at any moment. And though the world will not see it coming, we as believers will be able to discern its imminence. And when it happens, in a moment, with a great noise from heaven, all of the Christians that have gone before will rise from their graves. Then all the Christians that are alive, along with those that have risen, will be transformed, their bodies being glorified. This prepares our bodies to inherit the kingdom of God and completes the work of victory over sin and death within us. At that moment, we will be caught up into the heavenly realms to meet Jesus face to face as he comes to get us and take us to the place he has been preparing for us, where we will be with him forever. There will be no judgment for us as believers. Though the rapture will turn peace into disaster, we are promised this event is to save us from facing wrath, even the wrath that will be poured out on the world and the Antichrist and all who follow him. Instead, as righteous and blameless believers, we will meet Jesus to receive rewards of honour though we cannot fully comprehend what they will be. Thus, we are urged to encourage each other in purity, in perseverance, in courage, in faithfulness to his word, in love and good works for the kingdom, and in coming together all the more as we see this wonderful day approaching. And that is the rapture. Why people want to write this thing out, I have no idea. It's one of the most blessed and wonderful and preposterous ideas that the Bible has to offer. And, and like I said, it's one of the most preposterous ideas. The only thing it's got going for it is it is absolutely true. We then talked about the, the nine raptures of Scripture being Enoch, Moses, Elijah, the patriarchal saints, Jesus' ascension, 
the the thing that tip people typically think of as the rapture that our 29 scriptures outlined or, or more was it ended up being about 35 then the two witnesses and the 144,000 so the unrighteous of course at the end of the tribulation are also raptured they are taken off the earth and we're going to have a look at that whole concept of what happens around the second coming tonight. So we're going to have a look at a few scriptures on the second coming and you've got to understand that the scriptures on the second coming are in the hundreds. There is more said in the Bible about Jesus' second coming than there is about his first. So if we were going to do what I did on the rapture on the second coming, we would have to take about 10 weeks just to go through the scriptures. So what I've done is I've cherry-picked out some key scriptures which are going to help really paint out and round out the concepts of what happens in the second coming. And what you are going to see is that the events that surround the second coming are very different indeed to those that surround the rapture. And next week, what we're going to do is dun, 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 we're going to have a head to head battle. We're going to, in the red corner, we're going to have the rapture. And in the blue corner, we're going to have the second coming and we're going to put them up against each other. And you're going to see how totally different these two events are. And why is that important? Because if they are different, if, if they are so radically different, they cannot be the one event. And why is that important? Because that will start to shape your end times or eschatological calendar. Does that make sense? That's why this teaching is so important, is I'm, I'm helping you to, I'm not telling you how to put it together, I'm just showing you that these are two very different pieces of the puzzle. So let's get into it. We're going to have a look at these scriptures tonight. We're starting with Daniel chapter 2. And uh, again, for those of you that are playing at home, what you want to do is we're going to be reading out the scripture, then we're going to list out some key points of that scripture and we're going to start a list. And like you saw last week with the rapture, we're going to build a second coming list of key characteristics of the second coming and the scriptures that line up with those. And through the course of the evening, we're going to build out our list, all right? So you're going to see the scriptures, you're going to see the characteristics that we learn, and then I will start showing you the list. And for those of you that are copying, that's the bit that you want to copy, okay? So let's get into it. First of all, we're having a look at Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. 
Notice that. All right, now what are we looking at here? We are looking at scriptures that describe the second coming. Okay? Now you may say, well, Todd, how do you know that they are the second coming? Well, like I said to you, with the rapture, I could have just given you all these scriptures mishmashed together, had us read it, pull out the characteristics, and then go, now, which column do you want to put this in? The rapture column? or the second, second coming column. I've gone ahead and I've done some of the hard work for you and you'll see how the, all these scriptures that we look together very neatly fit into the one painting. So during the, the, the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver and gold. Are you getting the reference now? This is the end of Daniel interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the great statue. And he's telling us what the interpretation of that dream is. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. So there's two things that we learn from this scripture. First of all, the second coming is going to establish an eternal kingdom on the earth. A kingdom that is eternal, but it is also a kingdom that is dominant. So we're going to put those two points under our, in, into our list for the second coming. The second coming is going to be the establishment of a dominant kingdom because it says it's going to crush every other kingdom and it will be an eternal kingdom. Once this kingdom starts, it will not go away for all eternity. Interesting? Mm, very good. All right, Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 to 14, the next one. I watched as thrones were put in place, and the Ancient One sat down to judge. The Ancient One. Who might that be? Jesus, God the Father. It's, it's God in some form. We're about to find out. Now, as you hear this, some of you are going to go, yeah, this is a, a uh, replication of what I read in Revelation 1. <laughs> Anyone? Bueller? Anyone? Yes, Revelation 1. His hair is white as snow. His hair is like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. Oh, there's Ezekiel's prophecy, the wheels, the wheels within wheels. And a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session and the books were opened. 
I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and its body was destroyed by fire. The other three beasts had their authority taken from them, but they were allowed to live a little while longer. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honour and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Wow. So we learn some, some key things from this, that when this event takes place, there are books that are opened. We're told that Jesus is sovereign. Again, we have the ideas of a dominant and an eternal kingdom. So let's add that in the second coming, two more points to our list. Books are opened. Jesus is sovereign. And we're going to put Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 to 14 against all four of our current references. Seeing how this is building up. Alrighty. The next scripture we're going to look at is Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and the people of Jerusalem. Translate for me, please, someone. The family of David and the people of Jerusalem. Who are we talking about? Israel, the Jews, that's right. Now, has, the, has there been a spirit poured out on all mankind? Yes. yes. So this is talking about a different event other than the one of the pouring out of the spirit on the day of Pentecost. This is a different event. And we're told it's getting poured out on a very specific group of people. It goes on to say, they will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly. Who's they? The Jews, the Israelites, will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. So this second coming is going to be the time that Israel, the Jews, as a nation, acknowledges Jesus as Messiah. And they don't do it by throwing a party. Zechariah tells us that it is a time of bitterness and mourning as they recognise that they pierced their Messiah. So we can add bitterness and mourning for the Jews and Israel acknowledging Jesus as Messiah. There's two more points that we've learned. We're going to keep going in Zechariah chapter 14. We've got a, a big raft of scripture here. 
Zechariah. If you haven't read Zechariah with your eyes open, I encourage you, go back and read it. It's an amazing book. Chapter 14, verse 1. Watch, for the day of the Lord is coming when your possessions will be plundered right in front of you. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses looted, and the women raped. Half the population will be taken into captivity, and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. This is a positive prophetic word. Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he has fought in times past. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart. Is this, is this just poetry? No. Zechariah is seeing into the future, and he's saying the day is coming when he, the Messiah, is going to come, and his feet will touch the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half of the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. You will flee through this valley, for it will reach across Azal. Yes, you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and his holy ones with him. Now, this is important. What are holy ones? Angels. That's right. On that day, the sources of light will no longer shine, yet there will be continuous day. What's that telling us? The, the turn, the, the, the rotation of the earth is actually going to be affected by this. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. And well, and we do too now. Science is it's one of the amazing things about the, the word of the Lord is that there, science is catching up and, and there are things that we see in Scripture now where we go, well, we understand how an event like that could take place. You know Joshua's long day? Yeah. It's scientifically proven yeah. in our, our stellar record that there was a moment where earth stopped spinning. And they have to, when they are doing calculations for things like um, uh um, orbits and, you know, to send satellites out to catch up with, with um, planets. and that's, They've got to take into account Joshua's day mm. to make it all work. I love that. <laughs> take that, scientists. <laughs> On that day, life-giving waters will flow out from Jerusalem, half toward the Dead Sea and half toward the Mediterranean, flowing continuously in both summer and winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. And the land from Geba, north of Judah, to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem, will become one vast plain. But Jerusalem will be raised up in its original place and will be inhabited all the way from the Benjamin Gate over to the site of the Old Gate, then to the Corner Gate, and from the Tower of Hananel 
to the king's winepress and Jerusalem will be filled, safe at last, never again to be cursed and destroyed. And the Lord will send a plague on all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their people will become like walking corpses, their their flesh rotting away. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. Such a positive prophetic word. Uh, Well, uh, yeah, yeah. What about things? Sorry, I heard someone say it. Nuclear bomb, perhaps, right? I mean, again, there are things that we can see in, in our world today where we read that people become like walking corpses and their flesh rotting off them as they stand. Um, biochemical warfare, nuclear warfare. And we're not saying it might just be a sovereign act of God, but we're saying that we understand scientifically that these things can literally happen. On that day, they will be terrified, stricken by the Lord with great panic. They will fight their neighbours hand to hand. Judah too will be fighting at Jerusalem. The wealth of all the neighbouring nations will be captured. Great quantities of gold and silver and fine clothing. This same plague will strike the horses, mules, camels, donkeys and all the other animals in the enemy camps. So there's a whole lot that we learn about this day. All the nations come against Jerusalem. Jerusalem is is destroyed or at least in part. Jesus wars with the nations. Jesus comes to the earth. Angels come with Jesus. The sun and moon are darkened. Israel's topology changes. We see the the dominant kingdom again. There's a plague on those who fight against Christ and Israel defeats its neighbours. So now let's add all of that information into our list. Now, it's funny, isn't it? Who, who's, you know, eagerly looking forward to the second coming of the Lord? It's like, it's, it's not going to be nice. You know, there's this, this is the thing that, that gets me. There's all these people that are eagerly looking for the second coming of the Lord, but they're not looking for the rapture of the church. And they're going, oh, the rapture of the church, it makes it all, it's all scary stuff and tribulation, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but the second coming. What we are reading, this is the second coming. When Jesus comes, it's not going to be a pleasant experience when he comes like this. It is, it is going to be very bad. Very, very bad for very many people. Let's have a look at what is said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 41. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. So I want you to notice that in this scripture, this event, Matthew is telling us that 
the angels come with Jesus and that the unrighteous are taken away. Now, who gets taken away in the rapture? The righteous, yeah, the church. This event, we are told that the unrighteous get taken away. Everyone, everything that causes sin and all who do evil, they get taken away. So let's add, again, we can add to the angels come with Jesus. We can put Matthew 13, 41, and we'll add to the list, unrighteous are taken away with the same reference. Now, I encourage you to watch this thing about the angels coming because so many scriptures tell us that when Jesus come in, comes in this event, it's not us who comes with him, it's the angels. Time and time and time and time and time and time again, it tells us the angels come with Jesus. Let's have a look at Matthew 24, verse 15 to 31. I, it's, I'm, I'm pointing this out because this is one of the big misnomers that so many people have, is, oh, I'm going to come back to reign with Christ. Okay, just tell me where that is in the Bible. Oh, well, it's there, it's everywhere. Actually, it's not. Paul tells us that we're going to reign with Christ in heavenly places. But the, the only ones that we see coming back with him to reign on the earth is the angels. And the scripture just keeps plugging away. Not just Old Testament, New Testament. All right, Matthew 24, verses 15 to 31. The day is coming when you will see what, the da what Daniel the prophet spoke about the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Who knows how, what's the, um, how would other translations put this? This is a, a classic sort of end timesy scary phrase that often gets used. The abomination of desolation, right? If, if you're wondering if you've ever heard that, NLT puts it this way, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention, right? See, I love that. Here's Matthew. He's writing, right? And he's writing down what, what Jesus was saying. And Jesus is saying, the day's coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. And then he stops and he goes, hey, everyone, <laughs> pay attention to this bit, right? I love it. He's, he's interjecting into the story. If there's anything that I'm writing to you in all the stuff that I've written, pay attention to this bit. <laughs> then... Those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. 
and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Oh, well, that's us, isn't it? Uh, Who's he talking to here? Jesus, he's talking to the Jews. The church doesn't exist. The church at this point, the concept of the church is still a total mystery. Jesus is not trying to tell them some Gnostic hidden truth. He's trying to make plain. He's trying to make the people that he is with clearly understand what he is talking about. He's not talking to the church. He's talking to the Jews. Verse 23, Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if one tells, someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, or don't bother to go and look, or don't bother to go and look, or look, he is hiding here. Don't believe it, for as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. In other words, you will not miss it. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. What are the powers of the heavens? Principalities, powers, rulers and authorities, the, the, the demonic powers of the heavens. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be notice, great praise and rejoicing. Is that what it says? No. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And <laughs> this is the second coming. Oh, aren't we supposed to be looking forward to his return? Yes, we the church are supposed to be looking forward to his return for us when he comes with joy for us. But this is not that event. This is a totally different event. And it says... They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of, of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all the farthest ends of the earth. I mean, this is a terrifying, a terrifying event. So what do we learn from Matthew 24? It occurs after all these terrible things have happened, after the day of wrath, after 
this time of calamity that is the worst that the world is ever going to have experienced. The sun and the moon turn dark. The world mourns at his appearing. The angels come with Jesus. There it is again. The gathering of the Jews from all over the nations and Jesus comes on the clouds just as was promised by the angels that stood with Peter and the disciples when they were looking up in heaven when he had gone. So we can add all that to our list. It occurs after the day, the second coming, it occurs after the day of wrath. There's great mourning, gathering of Jews from the nations. Jesus comes on the clouds as he was promised that he would do. And we also have again the angels come with Jesus and the sun and the moon being darkened. Hmm. Oh, Todd, give us something happy. <laughs> but no, instead I'll give you more. <laughs> now, this is really, I know that this is, this is morbid, this is terrible. But isn't this totally different to what we were looking at last week? It is a totally different event. It is a horrible terrifying, dark, calamitous event. Mark 13, 14. The day is coming when you will see the sacrilegious desecration standing where he should not be. Read, oh, hang on, we've done that. Oh, this is Mark. Sorry, this is the same scripture, yeah. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on a deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers on those days. So it's the same again. And pray that your flight will not be in winter for there will be greater anguish in those days than any time since God created the world and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, not a single person will survive. But for the sake of his chosen ones, he has shortened those days. And if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out. I've warned you of this ahead of time. And at that time, after the anguish of those days, sun and moon will be darkened, stars will fall from the sky and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming with clouds of great glory and he will send out his angels to gather the chosen ones. It's, it's almost word for word. So we've got all the same stuff. We can add that in the same references. Then what about Luke? Fortunately, he gives us a more cut-down version. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and, and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. 
Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with great power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. Now again, oh, that's for us, right? No. He's, he's talking about the people that find themselves in this event and he's saying in the midst of of the calamity that is taking place. Now, there is, there is an eschatological view called preterism, which tries to suggest that what we are reading here is describing the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. But there's a fundamental problem with that concept, and it's this. Jesus didn't come and save them. No Messiah came. Aside from the fact that the sun and the moon didn't turn dark and a whole bunch of other things, but the bottom line is you can't take these three scriptures that we've looked at and say, well, that's describing the fall of Jerusalem because Jesus didn't come and save them. No Messiah came. No Messiah appeared. Was the fall of Jerusalem a terrible event? Yes, indeed. It was truly terrible. Was it what was being prophesied by Jesus in this? No, it was not. This is not just pretty language, poetic license being given for the fall of Jerusalem. Jesus is telling them when these things are taking place, unlike those that went through the fall of Jerusalem, when you see it happening, look up because you're about to be rescued. That didn't happen in 70 AD. So this is talking about a different event. So the sun and moon were darkened. There's great morning again and Jesus coming on the cloud. So we can add those references onto our list. <laughs>